0: Today we begin a look at a series called Triumphing in Troubling Times. Indeed, we're living in troubling times. A lot of help coming your way from First Peter, coming up next... Triumphing in Troubling Times. That is the title of the series. We're beginning here on this weekend edition of Truth For Today. Good morning and welcome to the program. Our time will take us to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1-12, through 12, as we begin this series called Triumphing in Troubling Times. Seems apropos that we uh, take a look at 1 Peter in light of the troubling times we live in these days. What does Peter have for us? Elect exiles. That's where we start. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
1: Here's a book written around between 62 to 64 AD from the city of Rome. This is where Peter will be martyred. And uh, at this time that he's writing, the church is uh, beginning to suffer It's not full-blown. It may have started in Rome, but they've got a madman on the throne named Nero. And Nero is going to uh, kill the Apostle Paul, and he's going to kill Peter himself. So he writes to the people in the provinces of Rome up in Turkey, modern-day Turkey, that maybe the suffering has not reached them full-blown yet, But in this letter, he's going to warn them of hard times to come. Some are in it, some are not. But he makes this warning clear. Uh, The key verse of the book probably is chapter 5. If you want to memorize some verses. If you picked up verse 10, and it says, And after you have suffered a little while, The God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ Will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you Then verse 12 I have written briefly to you Exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God Stand firm in it So he's writing a book to stand firm in difficult times So we've entitled the series uh, Triumphing in Troubles or Over Troubles, Triumphing. Uh, We must know that just because we're not going through it, let's say national crises or personal persecution, we have brothers and sisters uh, in Liberia, Nigeria, Nigeria. All parts of the world, China is coming down hard again on the church. And so we have incarcerated believers. The church in Iran has gone underground totally. Nothing can stay above ground in Iran without exposure to martyrdom, killing, persecution. So we may not like the book because you're singing Let the Good Times Roll. Hasn't bothered me. I'm I'm a Christian. Nobody knows it, but I am. And I'm doing just fine. Uh, But Peter is going to pick up the theme. And three great themes in the book is our salvation in the first two chapters. And then he's going to pick up the idea of submission. And uh, submission is no better than who you have to submit to. You know, I... a lot of people believe in submission until they're asked to do it. You know, just submission's great for you. It's great for your wife, but don't ask me. Submission is a biblical approach. It's not a gender approach. The believer in Christ is told to submit, but he submits to all kinds of maltreatment, to all kinds of... Uh, Negative things because he's a believer. Uh, They hated Christ. They won't hate him. And then he picks up the theme that keeps being woven through the book of suffering. Submission, then suffering. And it just keeps overlapping, overlapping. Uh, Most American Christians have a warped, bankrupt theology about suffering. We've been brainwashed by prosperity teachers. And we think that to be right with God, you've got to be prospering economically. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's always been a lie. God has not promised his church health and wealth. Now, if you have both, I hope you're serving God with it in Deuteronomy 8 said to Israel when the times get better don't forget where I brought you from never forget I brought you out of the house of slavery and gave you vineyards you didn't plant wells you didn't dig and so don't brag about it and act as though you always had it it's a gift from God so serve God with it Uh, we want to look at three things uh, in these 12 verses that's primarily about our salvation and I think first of all who are we as believers in Christ who are we you need to know that when you're being persecuted you need to know that when you're being uh, estranged as it were in this world second thing why are you suffering why are you suffering why do Christians suffer why are these believers suffering and then uh, third part is how are we responding to this Christ that saved us that is allowing us to suffer Uh, can you remember the letter S I can't hear you you preach back to me I'm an antiphonal preacher you can yell back you've always wanted to yell at the preacher you can yell just make it an amen and no eggs Uh, look what he says Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles. Title of this message, Elect Exiles. The word exiles in your NIV is the word uh, strangers. And the word means to be alien, not a native of the country. Uh, Transient, we would call them Bedouin, gypsy, Uh, homeless almost they were not necessarily homeless but there was no place they could call home they're fleeing Uh, and the concept in Peter is the believer in this world is never at home we are foreigners we are strangers we are pilgrims so he says we're exiles in this world and the old song this world is not my home I'm just passing through Uh, That is true. He never uses the word, there's a word in the Greek, uh, kata oikos. It means inhabitants of the earth. It never is used of believers. We are never said to be the inhabitants here. We're just said to be passing through. We play out our short role on the stage of life, and we pass off. But our treasures are elsewhere. Our politics are elsewhere. Our citizenship is elsewhere. And the one we really vote for is up there. We're stuck with the ballot box down here. But don't get wrapped up in it or you'll be a fool. I don't care. He's talking about people suffering under the guy that will kill him. There's no Matter of fact, we believe the book was written from Rome, but he calls it Babylon because it was some of the shorthand used in the first century church to hide where they were because they don't want to be killed. They don't want to be killed. They had no rights to vote. They were hoping they could stay alive. Now listen to what he says about them. Let me tell you who you are in Christ. Before I say that, It's a big issue in your life, your identity. Everybody wants to know who they are. Anybody on Ancestry? I tried, but they wouldn't take my spit. (laughs) They sent back the things that we need more spit. (laughs) Carolyn's got it. We just saw a 90-some-odd-year-old family member down in the Fresno area. It is sickening to see how much family history and you still find out we were all sinners and we're all mostly broke few blue bloods but man how people want to go how far back have you gone? This is not a very sophisticated crowd there's no comment Uh, maybe you think there's a lost inheritance back there well, you're not related to the Howard's. We don't inherit well. But a lot of you are like what my brother says. You're waiters. You're waiting for someone to die so you can't inherit. So say, God, they've served their purpose. Let them croak. And you remember when that little girl asked her grandfather if he knew how to croak like a frog? And he said, I do. Why? He said, Grandma says, when you croak, we're going to Disney World. So you know we're all into identity. Identity. Uh, we're into self-talk. If you take a motivational seminar, you've got to talk to yourself. I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. Has anyone taught you that? You know, you've got to get a positive identity. Say I can, I can. You can't. You know, I've got some of my grandchildren, maybe the MBA. You'll do good to make the high school team. (laughs) Don't want to discourage you, but just saying I can, I can won't make you a Steph Curry. (laughs) But they said I could. And they they said, You can't even be a water boy for this team. You can't just because you say you can't. You can't make yourself what you want to be just by self talk. Take all the motivational seminars you want. You can't make yourself. Your identity primarily is shaped by the family of your birth. If you were esteemed, if you were valued, uh, if you were treated right, uh, that's usually the self-image we get. But Peter's going to tell them, you've been put into another family. you got a different father than the one you were born to. you got a different family. you got a different set of brothers and sisters than the family of origin. The born again are in another family. And he's going to tell you about your identity. All right, I'm writing to people who are strangers in this world. They're people that have been scattered throughout the world. And now he's going to say they are elect. And I use the word S. They've been selected by God. Selected by God. God loves these people. They're his people. And he uses this word, elect, exiles. By the word, cherish every time the word says you're elect. I, I'm weary with people trying to figure out if they're a Calvinist and Arminian, whether they believe sovereignty or free will. He didn't, he didn't bring up Calvin or Jacob Arminius, he just said, You're chosen. Yes, sir. He told Israel, Out of all the people of the earth, I chose you, Israel. Now, you're going to stay mad at God because he chose Israel? It won't change his choice. He didn't say they were choice people. He said they were chosen. You're chosen, not necessarily choice. Not many wise, not many strong, but he chose the weak things of this world to confound the wise. I may not be the best choice God made, but he chose me anyway. Amen. Some of you, there say, saying, I, I don't believe it. You don't believe what you're, you don't even know what you're talking about. God chose, you leave him alone. He chose you. And what is scary, he knew everything about you before he chose you. Because he said, I foreknew you. You're not an afterthought, you're a forethought. All the way back to eternity past, I chose to you. And this word foreknowledge. Some say God foresaw that you would believe, so he chose you. No, 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 no. You see, here's a, it's a unique word. Think of the word he, he foreknew. Does God know everything in the future? Yes. Good, good. Uh, did he know it way back? In eternity. Did he know you'd be born? Did he know what color you'd be? So he knew everything. Now, here he says, but you're foreknown. Well, you foreknow everybody. No, he knows everything out in the future. But when he says this word, Amos 3, another passage, he said, you alone, Israel, have I foreknown. You alone? You mean you didn't know there was other nations? No, you're the only one I entered into an intimate knowledge and called my own. You remember what Jesus said to the guys that said, we know you. We cast out demons in your name. And Jesus said, I never knew you. You mean, you you didn't have omniscience? You didn't know they were going to be born? You didn't know they were going to say, no, I never entered in. You're claiming to know me intimately, but I've never known you. We are a foreknown people. All the way back, we've been foreloved by God from eternity past. So much in his love, we were chosen now these are being persecuted people he's wanting them to get their identity I don't care what Nero thinks of you this is what God thinks of you I don't care what your peers say about you this is what God says about you let's keep going look at the three things the father selected you the spirit has set you apart and the son has sprinkled you with his blood you see the trinity father chose Spirit set you aside for salvation and the Spirit applied the blood of Christ. See, it's not enough that Christ died for you. You have to have it sprinkled on your heart. The blood in the house on Passover night did no good without being applied to the doorpost. So the blood of Christ and what he did has been applied to your heart. He keeps going. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Why have you been born again? God's merciful. And mercy means he will not give us what we deserve. It's pity. The word is moving. To have pity upon those suffering. And here God said, out of my great mercy, I didn't want you to suffer So I saved you. You've been born again into a new family. Amazing. And this new birth is based upon the living hope we have. That Christ Jesus is the object of our hope. And he's already conquered death. He's been raised from the dead. He's a living savior. Is based on the resurrection. You know, when we say we've got hope, we mean it in two different ways. Let's talk about subjective hope, objective hope. If I said I I'm hoping in something in the biblical sense, let's say I'm hoping for Christ coming, or I'm hoping that Christ can save. That's objective to me. It's I'm counting on this event. I'm counting on this person. That's objective. But. It goes back to a subjective attitude. In me. I'm full of hope. Because I've got a hope that's for sure. I've got my hope in a. Resurrected Christ. He is the ultimate object of my hope. Right? I'm counting on him to keep his promise. I'm counting on him to come again. I'm counting on his blood. To be the basis of my salvation. I'm counting on you. I'm counting on you Lord. But. But that objective hope ought to fill us with hope. We ought to be hopeful people. And it's amazing how we have to fight the pessimism and the melancholy and the negative side of our personalities. Some people can get depressed just being in a room by themselves. And there's no one to be mad at. But just they listen to the self-talk about themselves, and you're not good enough, or you're not this, you're not that. Instead of saying, let me read to you, heart, your birth certificate. Uh, I've been selected by the Father. I've been set apart by the Spirit. I've been sprinkled with the blood of Christ. I've been given a living hope. I've got a brand new new birth inside of me. This is who I am. On Blue Nut Monday, as well as Happy Friday. It didn't matter. Some of you were born with negative personalities, like being born with indigestion. You just got it. It's in your personality. Anybody take Myers-Briggs or take any of these tests? You know, it tells you, whoa, you're melancholic, you're choleric, you're sanguine. I said, man, I thought that was a sweetener. And they said, no, that's a personality type. You can't help it. That's your personality. Rich Rollins used to always tell me, he said, man, you tend to always see the glass half empty. I said, well, it is. (laughs) I call that realism. He said, you dummy, it's half full. (laughs) And Tim Valsram came and corrected. He said, as engineers, we just say the glass is too big. So, you know, what? Well, whatever your personality outlook, you know, some of you are going to find fault with anything. Nothing's good enough. Especially you perfectionists. You make everybody else miserable. It's never good enough. Never good enough. Never good enough. I love what Dr. Hannah said. The average people enjoy life twice as much as you perfectionists. <laughs> they can even love playing guitar like me and be average. But I like it anyway. If I had to be perfect, I'd burn up the instrument. I know what great guitar players sound like. And I'm not even worthy to unbutton the guitar case. But that doesn't keep you... You know, like singing. If some of you ever waited because you could sing good, it's going to take heaven. We can endure it for a little bit longer. I mean, you can't even carry the note. (laughs) I came to the choir practice here the other night, and some sister in front of me, I was singing, doing it. She turned around, so I noticed you're a little off. I nearly kicked her out of the choir. (laughs) Hey, sister, don't you correct my voice. (laughs) And you won't see her in the choir anymore, but anyway. (laughs) Uh and again, giving a living hope. And then he says, notice, we have been given an inheritance that is imperishable. It will not rot. Undefiled means no stain. It was used of staining the garment or mire on your garment. And it's unfading. And this was used of wilted flowers. So you've got a future inheritance in heaven being kept for you. Yes, that it will not wilt. Its glory will not fade. Its beauty will always be there. It's not rotting. It won't deteriorate until you get there. How long has it been there, Lord? For at least 2,000 years. But I really think it's been there since eternity. Yes, and he said, wait, wait. You, you've got this coming? Listen to what he said. You scattered strangers, you guys that Nero is going to find a way to punch you down, kill you, call you filthy names as a Christian. Because you see what happened, history says that Nero, we often hear the story, he played the violin while Rome burned. It's believed in history that Nero started the fires. Because Nero wanted to remodel the city of Rome. He wanted vast building programs. He couldn't get the synod to release the money. So he set out a siege of burning the place down and will be forced to rebuild.
0: And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you, to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via US mail or give us a call. As we close things out, I do want to turn things over to our executive producer just for a moment.
2: Here's Chuck Latabodier. Hello, Truth for Today listeners. My name is Chuck Latabodier, and I've been the executive producer of Truth for Today since we've been on the air in 1996. There are a couple of needs I'd like to make you aware of. The first one is a prayer need. Our dear Pastor Phil had throat surgery recently, and the healing process has not gone as smoothly or as quickly as we'd hoped. And so we're asking you to remember, Pastor Phil, in your prayers that God would bring healing to his voice, that he might continue to proclaim the gospel using the tools that God gave him, his voice. The second need is a financial need. Because we haven't been able to do our fundraiser there is a financial need and we continue to proclaim the gospel and we because we believe that god's using it to build up the body of christ to encourage the saints and to challenge those who don't know him and to offer hope to those who are in need of hope we want to continue doing that because we believe that god's word will never return void that's what he said so we're asking you to partner with us at this time after you've met your financial obligation at your local church, consider making a special gift to truth for today, this year, that we might continue to proclaim the truth for today. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck.
0: Year-end donations are always welcome. One-time gifts, monthly gifts, large, small, it all makes a difference. Reach out to us. Your tax-deductible donation can be sent to 1511 M Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. You can also donate online, valleybible.org, or call 855-833-9864, 855-833-9864. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your truth for today.